oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two, what it do? Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn 2 Podcast. Uh, we are back today. We didn't have a show last week. We are back today, though, with a couple of uh, strong guests. Like here, as always, Mr. Jeff Zimmerman. What's up, Jeff? Not much. Just um, kind of like felt like a normal weekend where you just went in, did fab, and didn't have too much craziness going on. There's a couple bullpen situations and a couple injuries, but just not the craziness of the first few weeks. Yeah, I think I feel like most of the fab was... Uh, the craziness was due to like a call up, like prospect call ups and bullpen. But yeah, other than that, or if you had to shuffle because of like Boba Shat injury or, or things like that. Uh, also joining us on the show is Mr. Brad Johnson, baseball 18. What's up? Howdy. Not a lot going on here. Just plugging away at DFS and uh, anything else I can get my hands on. All right. And I'm your host, Matt Williams. Today, we're going to be doing a little bit of would you rather uh, basically going down some player values saying at this point in a 60 game season, what would you rather do? So, We'll just jump right into it. All these will be Roto unless I further specify just for you know context sake. Uh, starting at the top with uh, of pitching, Shane Bieber in Roto, not not points. We could talk about points in a second. How many hitters? Would, like if you had Bieber and you needed a hitter, like one, I know you don't want to trade trade Bieber for any reason, but how many hitters if you were you know if you could pick of anyone in the you know in the entire league for fantasy right now, how many hitters would you actually take ahead of Bieber right now? I mean, starting with you, Jeff, I mean, there's obviously, a, you know, a couple, but the, the list is obviously a lot shorter than it may have been. Oh, I would probably have a lot more than most people. I think Bieber's got a little bit of luck. I would probably have 15 or so. I don't think anything's really changed from the beginning of the season with pitched greats. Some pitchers were going to be that way, but he could get hurt tomorrow. So even that way, I would probably still have him. Like I said, everyone that was most of them that were drafted ahead of him, I'd still be that way. And I'd probably move to tease up. There's some hitters that I'd probably move up. I'm just, like I said, I'm not going to base my sample on two weeks. There's people that had great two weeks last year. I mean, we could have had Flaherty up here or you Darvish off for two weeks. Like I said, I'm still going to go after the tried and two hitters and not make many rash decisions on it. Would you rather have, you'd still rather have Nolan Arenado over Shane Bieber? In a heartbeat. How about you, Brad? Uh, you feel the same way? Two week sample size? Because there's, I guess, there's a difference between having a two hot weeks and two weeks that maybe some people were expecting. Uh, if if someone were to believe in Shane uh, Bieber, you could very much believe that this is exactly what you should expect for the rest of the season. So, uh, same question to you, Shane Bieber. Um, is is he your number one starting pitcher right now? For one and two, uh, how many you know is how many hitters would you have in front of him? I would be taking Cole and Degrom ahead of Bieber still, but he's now kind of in that top three for me, uh, definitely the third choice. But I would say if we we're doing a 15 team draft, I, I wouldn't expect him to get out of the first round. If I was picking near the end of it, he'd be very high on my list. If I have Bieber and I'm trying to trade for a hitter, that, that that's a tough position because it's going to be very situational. And, and, and every, I, 
I approach everything very situationally. Uh, so it's kind of a cop-out answer. But <laughs> I, I think if I'm desperate for hitting, yeah, I have a lot of pitching depth. Yeah, I'm going to have quite a few hitters I'll go after. Uh, I'm seeing kind of the opposite situation more often. There aren't a lot of pitchers who do what Bieber does in terms of lasting deep in the ball games, piling up strikeouts. And so it's it's really hard to get rid of that kind of asset unless you're getting a hitter that you can say is definitely better than him. All right. Um, well, here, so here's the question. How about, about, how about a photo for how, how, here, how about a hitter, you know, is better probably, you know, I mean, we know he's better. He's just not performing that way in a 60, in this 60 game season. If you needed a hitter and someone offered you Francisco Lindor, would you take it? Because <sighs> I mean, it seems like that's an obvious play. of someone. Yes, I probably would take. And it's, yeah. it's on the, the five category skill set. If you, put someone who's more of a four or three category guy in front of me i'd probably say no all right like uh anthony rendon yeah that that that's a hard one too that, <laughs> I think that's, that's really par value for me right there okay uh, i'm trying to make these hard sorry uh fernando <laughs> that, that's the job right <laughs> you, you just brought up fernando tatis uh if you owned him is there any offer that could be made to you in roto that you would accept uh, Jeff, is there any player, if you own Tatis, is there any one-for-one offer that could be made to you that you'd actually accept? I mean, like including Mike Trout. I think it would depend on my team. And that's kind of, but there'd be a few of them where it, you've got, you've banked his stolen bases, you banked what he's done. And I think if you just need a little bit more power, you can move over to Trout and let the other team get the steals. But um, in most of my teams, I'm hurting for steals like you unless you hit on like fam or like um oh i'm trying to think of the guy for like anyone for the mariners right now that seems to be running or isaiah kiner falifa yeah exactly it's like unless you hit on those few guys you're not you're hurting for steals so i think you kind of keep him until you can kind of get a boost but um no if i was just kind of hurting for home runs and had him like said trout would be someone i would immediately go after trout trout looks like trout and He's proven everyone wrong where every year he's not maybe not the number one player, but he's going to end up number two. Try he's uh, he actually looks better. I mean, other than not stealing, which looks like it may be out of the car, you know, out of the cards for the rest of his career. The power is ridiculous. Uh, I, uh, Brad, any disagreements there is um, if you just if you were in need of the the stolen bases, is Tatis someone you'd hold on to or you would you uh, just take Trout because Trout is Trout? Yeah, I'd probably hold on to Tatis if I needed the stolen bases. It's just it's a tough area to solve what i'm finding with my own teams i somehow i have a lot of like nick solak uh so I, i'm doing pretty well on steals like just from unexpected sources yep. i've picked up a lot of cheap jp crawfers i'm in a lot of obp formats too uh so crawford looks a little better in those uh, so, so i've just kind of fallen into a lot of steals and so i'm leading a lot of leagues by like four or five steel margins. And if I happen to have had Tatis as part of that, I'd feel comfortable trading him for a trout. Uh, Juan Soto is another guy I'd go after. All right. Diving over to points leagues for one second. First question. Do you guys like points leagues? We don't talk about it much. It's usually slanted towards Roto. Do you, how do you guys feel about points leagues? I, I like auto news, uh fan graphs point system. It's loosely based on linear weights. It's pretty sensible for someone who kind of grew up on linear weights a little bit. Uh, it has a certain um, method to the madness. Uh, there, there's certainly 
some some issues with it, uh, just with all, like with all point systems. But it's not kind of the nonsense you get from like the generic fan tracks and CBS point systems. The nonsense. How do you feel, Jeff? I mean, obviously points. You know, usually the the the, the, the two rules are stolen bases, huge disc or get huge discounted. Starting pitching gets a boost. Uh, do you? I mean, I prefer roto, but how do you feel about points leagues? I think points leagues are the way to go for um, weekly formats. Mm-hmm. I think like the roto just gets sometimes just too bizarre. Just go for the points, go for that week for season long. The one problem with points is it's tough for some people to make it up and you get people quitting a lot. Yeah. And um, I think that that's one problem with points for season long. So if you do head to head, I have no problems going with the points and with the playoffs and all that way. But for season long, like sometimes it just, teams quit when they're like, I can't make this up. They're ahead. And sometimes with Roto, they think they can make it up. They may not be able to, where it's like, okay, I can go with a bunch of stolen bases. I can make some trades, but with points, there's no category changing around. It's just like people are still making the same number of points. A a Uh, new format that's kind of becoming more popular is uh, you have a Roto regular season and then you go into a a head-to-head playoff. And that I think fits really well with the points system too. Yeah, that's interesting. Although, uh, if the uh, the scoring dramatically changes, like if it's a standard point system where all of a sudden, you know, the reason you got to the finals was stolen bases, and all of a sudden the points are—I mean, you get a huge disadvantage, even though it's a short week. So obviously, roto—it's a longevity thing, and you want to rack up, so it may not make a big difference. So, it's—I think it just need to be weighted a little differently. Um, in points, Mike Trout is obviously the number one player. And Roto, people wanted to argue Acuna. There's a lot of ways to go because of speed. Uh, Trout is number one. But going back to the, kind of the Bieber question, um, DeGrom, Cole, how many starting pit? Because right now, I would I would think by points, Bieber, DeGrom, Cole would probably be the second, third, fourth most valuable players right behind Trout currently. Uh, Jeff, are you still the same opinion that even in points leagues, you'd still be very happy to take like Yellick, Bellinger, Bregman, Betts, all those guys above pitching or in a points league, does that change that for you? Um, now that if it was a redraft for next year, I would still go with the hitters. But now that you know a starter is healthy and going, usually they end up giving you more points and they're harder to come by, is I would just ride out the starters right now. In points leagues, and even like in Roto, most of the time your starters will end up being the most valuable players but we just have no clue who's going to end up with like leading the league in wins. Like whoever that player is, it's just so valuable, but no one has a clue who's that's going to be out of those top guys. So it looks like right now Bieber is got it. And actually Cole, while the stats aren't good, he's still getting some of the wins. So I kind of like, you know, ro- rolling with them. Okay. Um, kind of moving on down the road here. Uh, it, we're going to bounce around since we're at starting pitching. Dylan Bundy has obviously been phenomenal. He goes from Baltimore to Los Angeles. They're let, the Angels are letting his slider shine. Who would you rather have, starting with you, Brad, Dylan Bundy or Zach Wheeler, who is pitching well Ooh. as far as surface stats, but he is not striking anyone out? I need a second to, to look at Wheeler's player card. So I can compare them. I didn't blindside you. It wouldn't be fun. <laughs> uh, Jeff, do you? Uh, I don't know. Do you, do you have an opinion on uh, that? Who would uh, Zach Wheeler or Dylan Bundy? Um, it was Bundy even during draft season. Once the change oh. went from the DH, I grabbed had Bundy in like every league. It was he was like the biggest jump, and everyone didn't get on him. So, like I said, I've got him everywhere. Um, if you just looked at what the projections thought he was going to do, he was yeah, higher than Wheeler, especially yeah when they got the DH. So it's Bundy and not even close. All right. Uh, pushing it up a little bit. Uh, who would you rather have, Lucas Giolito or Dylan Bundy? I think I still want 
Chialito. I like the central. Like Bundy, sometimes you have to, even I've had him where you have to sit him sometimes. Um, I just remember I ran Lance Lynn last week at Colorado, and I don't know if I want to do Bundy when that happens. So, <laughs> yeah. It, or if he's got like, if he's, his one starts against the Dodgers, it's like, well, I got to sit him. Really? I may sit Giolito against the Twins, but probably not even. Like, I think there's someone in the Central that even worries me. And there's a few th- kind of landmines in the West. All right, let's find the sweet spot in the middle. You'd rather go Bundy over over um, over Wheeler, but you'd still maybe rather go with Giolito. We'll back it up in the uh, preseason ADP. Chris Paddock, who has not been completely himself at all, would you rather have Dylan Bundy rest of the season or Chris Paddock? Um, as of right now, I'll take Bundy, but that could change – Paddock just looks like, looks like people have figured him out and it looks like he needs to adjust. And it's, I think in the next few weeks, it's going to be that way. Like he's just got the two pitches. The sad part, he's seen these, these same teams have seen those. And it just, like I said, it's what happens with people with two pitches and he doesn't seem like he knows what to do. So I could see Paddock, like he, he's got the stuff there that he can turn around or he just might become stubborn and just be useless. <laughs> yeah. That would be really tough. I think, yeah, if I, I don't know what to do. If I own Paddock and someone brought to me Bundy, I would probably want something else, but man, I would be very tempted to just accept that. Uh, Brad, do you, do you have a want to weigh in on this? Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty much in the same place as Jeff. Looking through it, I, I might be a little higher on Wheeler conceptually than uh, he is. Uh, I, I think the strikeouts will return. I don't think there's there's any really cause to think he's a, a four and a half K per nine pitcher. Uh, probably more around the eight level. Uh, with the way Bundy's pitching right now, I throw the dice on that, though. And uh, with Paddock, uh, Jeff brings up a great point about two-pitch pitchers with the silos. Uh, you're, you're getting a lot of looks at the same same pitchers, and if they don't have different ways of approaching you throughout a season, you're going to get a little more comfortable as a hitter uh, coming after some of these guys. I like Paddock. Uh, another good point about the silos is some of them are harder than others. Uh, the West one in particular is a, a very challenging one. So uh, that, that might be, uh, it's probably a good point about Giolito being in the central compared to Bundy in the West. Uh, I, one of the things I was talking about today and the plan of attack was uh, Zach Gallon just every matchup's bad for him almost. He hasn't had the giants or Rangers and everyone else is a good offense. Yeah, we uh, we just come to the conclusion that a lot of people already had it, but Zach Allen's just really good. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's good. He, you yeah. use him anyway, but yeah. he, you're looking for that like soft matchup. There's two teams. <laughs> <laughs> um, going over, this is a perfect question for Would You Rather game. Uh, St- uh, Jeff, uh, Brandon Lowe, he's having a phenomenal year. Bad 338, wow. seven home runs. Lau? Yeah, Brandon Lau. Brandon Lau. All right, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to. He said it's weird. <laughs> I'm gonna bru- I'm gonna brutalize it. Uh, other names as as we go along too. Brandon Lau, <laughs> he's been three thirty eight, seven home runs. He is uh, someone that was a preseason favor for a lot of people. So this doesn't actually surprise a ton. I mean, seven home runs is obviously a pace that is over what we expected, but and so is three thirty eight. His expecting average is still three hundred though. So it's not like he's a he's a slouch. Uh, if you had him and uh, someone really believed in him and you wanted to maybe try to to try to flip him, would you like? Would you trade Brandon Lau for Glaber Torres? Oh, I would take Torres in a heartbeat. Um, with Lau, he's still got, even though it does, it's he's better this year. He's got the great BABIP. Is he just has some problems against righties? It was a lot worse last year. So, um, or like, so yeah, he's actually actually had yeah, the problems against lefties since he is a lefty. But um, the splits aren't there. So 
he may have made the improvement. He's someone I just stay away. Usually people don't make the improvement against the splits. Mark Canna is an example that, well, you know, finally was able to hit left-handed pitchers and hit all the time. So his value moved up. So with Lau, it's, it's going to be really tough, like for next year or even now to know if it's for real what's happened or not. So without digging in forever, it's just, I'm not moving him too much, but he's definitely someone that I may even like watch at bats during the off season to kind of see if he changed anything. So you'd, you'd pretty much trade him for any of the upper guys that are not performing like Keston Hira, uh, Altuve, anyone who's not kind of being who we expected him to be, you'd be fine moving him for any of those guys. Um, I don't know. It would be tough. Like I said, I'm just going off of here. I would just wait and dig in for a bit. If you want me to write an article on it, I probably could, but I just want to know <laughs> if there's something changed or if it's just, He's just riding a 400 BABIP and that's going to come down. Um, what do you think, Brad? Because, uh, I mean, Glaber is is interesting because he's obviously off to a very brutal start. I mean, if you know, brutal is relative. <laughs> brutal for him. 254, one home run. Uh, not exactly what you were hoping when you drafted him. And everything, as far as expected stats, kind of lines up exactly with what he's doing. Uh, so, you know, the main issue here for him is, you know, his sweep spot percentage dropped from 38 to 26 barrel percentage is down from 10 to one. He's just, he's just off to a bad start. So again, going to Lau and Glaber, do you believe in Lau? Uh, do you think Glaber's a buy low? How do you value those two? If you had to make a decision? I, I think you've kind of touched on two full articles here. You know, we can go into pretty deep dive on Torres. We can go into pretty deep dive on Lau. Uh, starting with the, the Ray, I'll say that. I've always been pretty confused by him. Uh, just see, he's, he's not like a, he doesn't fit neatly into the profiles I'm used to working with. Uh, he, he kind of you know, feels like a little bit like the low angle, hard contact type, uh, like a JD Davis. But then you look at the batted ball data, he's a fly ball hitter and he's still putting out these high bat pips for the most part, uh, goes back into his minor league career to an extent. Uh, last year he had a high one in, 327 plate appearances, had 377 BAPIP. Um, I'm a little hesitant to say I believe, but I'll buy into an incremental improvement right now. Uh, That being said, you know, maybe the guys who are 20 ADP above him, that's probably about where I'm looking generally as my cutoff. Uh, Anything above that, uh, better than that, I'd probably trade Lau for. All right. Uh, another guy that is off to a hot start that everyone loved was Kyle Lewis. He's batting 325, four home runs. Um, as part of that Seattle group that is surprising at the, at least the very top of the lineup along with J.P. Crawford. Would you stick with him who's, you know, to anyone paying attention, it's obvious he's kind of hitting above his head. Would you kind of stick with him if you have him or would you be willing to kind of move him off? Like one, I don't think you can really trade him for much above. I mean, maybe like the time to, to buy low on Fran Mill is far gone. He hit like 900 feet worth of home runs yesterday before leaving injured. Um, but would you trade him for a guy like Dominic Smith, who is probably going to be better, but um, you know, you, you wouldn't be getting maybe as much value as you could for Kyle Lewis. So um Jeff, Kyle Lewis, if you have him, would you be kind of looking to ship him off for anything? Or do you believe in kind of what he's, do you think he'll be valuable the rest of the year? Um, I would ship him in late. I mean, over the last two weeks, he's OPS is like 650, one home run. He's batting 233. Like he's starting to come back to earth. Pitchers are getting to him. He's only had one home run. He's just riding an early hot streak. And I think that, like I said, if you could get, anything useful that you want from him, I think you go get it now. I think, like I said, I, 
he's like I said, everything's just coming back to earth. Like that batting average is still kind of up there. People are liking it, but I have no faith in, like I said, it's crashing hard already. Uh, Brad, who would you rather have of this group? Uh, Kyle Lewis, Hanser Alberto, Anthony Santander, and Tosca Hernandez. Uh, I, I, I might like Lewis least of that group. Uh, it, it, it's one of those things that situational Hanser Alberto in particular, you, you have to have a specific use case to be rostering him. Uh, the others, you know, Santander has a good lineup role. Um, I think he's roughly the same hitter as Lewis. Uh, the, the regression's pretty obvious. It's real. I do have an actual example. I traded Kyle Lewis over the weekend in a keeper league uh, with Mike Soroka uh, for you, Darvish and Diego Castillo. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking to use Lewis as like sweetener to turn an inactive spot into an active spot in like a keeper format. Um, you can kind of look at it the same way and redraft. You have someone like Steven Strasburg, who, um, you know, some people might believe will be back after a week or two and some people might be more out on, but if you can combine Kyle Lewis with Strasburg, get something live, maybe Dylan Bundy. Uh, <laughs> he, he, that's something I would try to do. If someone traded uh, Dylan Bundy for Kyle Lewis, they need to be booted out of the league. That's <laughs> personal opinion. JD Martinez is off to a bad start. Actually, after having struggles for parts of last year. So this isn't necessarily something new is something actually has stretched from last year into this year. If you had him and someone had believed that, you know, that triple crown uh, possibility is still within him and uh, they're going through the rest of the season and they offered you Michael Conforto, uh, Jeff, would you take that? No, I would keep JD. Nothing has really changed off him. If you look through all his stats, um, the only thing is his Babbitt's a little bit down from last year, his strikeout rate's the same. His walk rate's just still the same. He's still hitting the ball, maybe just a little bit, not as hard, but just he's not getting the home runs. So, no, if – and you know what? There is maybe a chance I would make the trade if I really, like, had a team that was in the lead with J.D. and just wanted to kind of, like, well, just know what I'm writing out. But if there's any team that isn't, like, way out in the head, J.D. Martinez is the guy that just – rest of the season hit 15 home runs and just carry your team to the finals. So I, like I said, if you're wanting to a chance, if you're looking for any kind of thing, like if, any kind of boost, JD's the guy that's out there. I think he's still like a top 15 hitter in the league. Uh, what do you think, Brad? I mean, he, he's uh is, is this general, he, he looks like Jeff said, similar to the player we've always seen his strikeout percentages up is, is harder percentages down, but all in all, uh, he's just he's been struggling to hit fastballs, but it's a, it's a short sample size. His whiff percentage is up on those. Uh, he was he looks like he's been just trying to elevate them a little too much, getting underneath. But we have to examine short sample sizes because there's only so many games. Uh, so same question, uh, JD Martinez, uh, would you be looking to hold on to him? Or you know, I threw Conforto out as an example uh, of that general vicinity. But would you be looking to try to ship him off for, like you said, a more usable asset? Or um, if you could afford to wait on him, would you want to gamble on uh, on him trying to carry you if uh, you didn't have a team out in front? This is another one of those situational things. Uh, Conforto is an interesting comparison point because you can kind of look at him as supplying the same categories. Uh, so like Jeff said, if you're trying to play for floor or you, know, you just believe in the hot hand a little bit more, you could go with Conforto. Uh, in a lot of cases, if you're looking at offers that kind of skew away from home runs, it just depends on what you need. If you're doing fine in home runs, you can trade her, uh, JD. If you're not, uh, you're going to want to hold on to him and hope he goes on one of his tears. Uh, that, that's the main thing I'm seeing. I don't think I've 
Now, we can talk about the small sample stuff all we want. Maybe we downgrade him a little bit, but I'm still treating him as more or less the same hitter. Okay. Um, someone that is more or less the same hitter we thought he would be is Aldoberto Mondesi as a, a crappy hitter, but a guy <laughs> who's going to steal a ton of bases. He does have five, which in this, you know, in this scenario is huge. Uh, but I'm not sure he's much better than Malik Smith at this point uh, in terms of like, you know, what we know Malik Smith could theoretically do. He, he could be batting 220 with five stolen bases. Um, so Jeff, you have Aldoberto Mondesi. Let's assume that you did draft him for your steals and those five steals you kind of you kind of need, but you're struggling in other areas. You just need a player that's not dragging you down everywhere else. Would you consider trading him for AJ Pollock? You assume there's a plus. There's a plus in here. You're getting a reliever. You're getting a stream. You're getting something back in addition to AJ Pollock. But he's batting 292, five home runs, two stolen bases. He's kind of you know the player you hope he is when he's healthy. You know, you never know when the the, the trapdoor is going to fall on that. So, if you have Aldoberto Montesi, would you be looking to cash him in for anyone along this level, or is that a little too cheap? Um, if it comes down to the steals, I don't think he's a good player. But the Royals still seem to be playing him, and also with AJ Pollock, is he still just a part-time player? The so he's not going to get you all the counting stats either. I may hold on to Montesi in that case. Um, just like I need the steals and I'm just, I knew if you drafted him, you knew you were going to deal with the rest of this. Um, it's kind of, I ran into the mantra last year and I've just done it where I don't draft a guy with a OPS under 750. They just lose playing time. And Mondesi was well below that. So he was just a completely, I, I have to build a team without Mondesi. And um, so, yeah, after being burnt with Malik Smith way too much last year, <laughs> um, well, it was, he got demoted, like, and he was just a bad player. So any, like, I went through the numbers, and anyone projected under 750, there's about a 30%, 40% chance they're going to get demoted. Like, they're just going to lose their playing time. So I just cross those guys off. Like, I can't take that chance and have my team based on that. So Mondesi was the same way. He just was not projected to be a good hitter. So um, I just took him off. And But you need those steals. And we're, there's other players that are rostered just as bad as he is that people are hoping that – he provides that those steals. I think the one thing that he hasn't done is hit for any kind of power. And even if he had two, three, if he had two home runs at this point, I think it would be a whole different story with him. All right. Well, you mentioned Pollock as being maybe not an everyday player. How about let's change it over to Trent Grisham, Brad. How do you feel? I mean, you can mention, you can comment on AJ Pollock first if you'd like, but let's say, let's change it to uh, Trent Grisham. Is, uh, is that a trade that you would uh, entertain if you, just needed a better player because he's also batting 228, but his expected batting average is actually uh, close to 270. So he has he we, he looks like he is probably going to bounce his way up. They are batting him towards the bottom of the lineup in split situations, but I think that's just a small sample size. He's not as bad, I think, there, but he leads off most games. So uh, Mondesi, Trent Grisham, AJ Pollock. Uh, I'll quickly touch on Pollock. I'm pretty happy with what I've seen from him this year. Uh, I don't stay up for these West Coast games, so it's all video replay. So they tend to uh, show me the the better uh, outcomes. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm pretty happy with what I've seen. It seems like uh, can spec expect roughly a career year from Pollock on a rate basis. Jeff does mention that uh, there's some playing time concerns. He's going to sit a little more often than he'd like from a regular. Uh, but otherwise, I expect better outcomes from him than Mondesi. Uh, moving on to Mondesi... He's an interesting case because, yeah, we knew what we were getting into in draft season, but the reason he was attractive is because there's like 
I don't know, five, 10 players we were confident would steal bases. And he was one of them. He's attempted nine and only successful five times, but I don't think that really reflects on anything other than teams being very prepared from the run. Uh, These other aspects of him, uh, the low batting average, I I think that could come up. The low OBP is just what you're getting from him. I cross him off in OBP formats, uh, not even a player I consider. Uh, I'm a probably a little more willing than Jeff to have gone after him in batting average, but I don't think I got a share outside of mock drafts. Uh, so not a question that I really have to consider from my, my own team perspectives. Uh, definitely taking Grisham. Um, just at this point in the season, you, you, you know, you're getting speed, you know, you're getting power, you know, you're getting better uh, run production output from the Padres lineup. And it's just a, a much higher floor with similar ceiling and, Unless I'm like super, super desperate for stolen bases, I don't see uh, a reason to prefer Mondesi. All right. Uh, going back to kind of the top of the drafts, Nolan Arenado, right now he's batting 244, six home runs. There was concern of him being traded out of Coors Field and in a short season having to go in and out of Coors Field so often, so, you know, on a regular basis, uh, just travel wise, how that would weigh on the players. Certainly hasn't seemed to affect Trevor's story. Um, but Nolan Arenado batting 244, six home runs, and his doppelganger out in Oakland, Matt Chapman, is hitting 247 with six home runs. They're the same player. So I'm not suggesting you trade one for the other. What would be the purpose? But if you had Nolan Arenado and you had another hole on your team, you had someone go down, you need a live bat. Would you trade Nolan Arenado for Matt Chapman if you were getting one of those guys we talked about earlier, like the Santander, the Tosca Hernandez, Hanser Alberto, those hot starters? I don't know, Dylan Moore, I'm not a fan of. I feel like he only can hit fastballs and that's going to catch up to him real quick. Uh, but do you still think the gap is huge enough where one of those players is not the difference maker? If you had a big hole and there was nothing available on waivers, um, would you make that move, Jeff, if you could get one of those live bats or is that not enough? Um, it depends who was with them. I think that's actually where like Santander, if you need a hole, like I think this is the time of year, especially in like 15ers, I like to trade down. It's like take the um, Arenado and fill my holes because there's just nothing on waivers. Like a lot of people, it's like always get the best bat. But I think in at, at some point, there's just no bats available. So you kind of have to make that move. But the one thing I haven't looked now with Arenado is he was struggling there for a while and everyone was off of him. But just like everyone with Colorado, he needs those games at Colorado. I think they're now evened out 50-50. I think they had a long enough home stretch. So he's got only two games there this week. I don't know if I would, I would maybe look to try to pick him up after he's got enough, a bunch of games on the road that, you know, it's kind of keeping his stats down and just right out that end. I know there's like a streak here in the the middle of the season where they play literally two weeks in a row. It's like the end of one week, a whole week and the beginning of the next. It's like you want him going into those games. Um, So I would actually, yeah, try to time it best and pick him up, but maybe his owner is going to be the same way. He's like, well, I'm just going to wait out for those games. But he's Arenado. actually had most actually most of his games so far have been at home. Um, 51 at bats, all six of his home runs, two, batting 294 at home, only 27 at bats on the road so far, but he is batting 148 in those. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's it's definitely evident, but I he's actually um he actually has more away games coming his way. Yeah, and I kind of thought that was coming up. I like I said, I know there's just the two this week, so it might be time to sell him that he's got a little bit of value, got those home runs, and um yeah, it's. I'm just new with the Colorado players. They were going to kind of be a pain this year. And at some point, I think you can drop them like the last week. 
Like it's like if they go on the road and they're just struggling, just move on and get someone else on your team for the trade. I would do it now. You're right. It's with these road games coming up, just drop Arenado, get Chapman, get Santander and um, ride them. Uh, Brad, any, uh, any difference of opinion? If not, we can move on to the next question. I'd want a lot more than a, a Santander. Uh, really? Dylan Bundy would be an example of what I'd want. Now, something pretty serious. Rafael Devers has been brutal. He's batting 182, two home runs. He, he came to, to camp out of shape, and it's very obvious that he had no interest in, in being in shape this year. I mean, he just, I don't know what it is, just the look on his face. And I was really high on him. Uh, he should have been an MVP candidate last year. And he looked like someone that could come in this year, have a really huge, like, you know, last year was obviously his breakout, but really capitalize on that, be a real triple crown candidate. Like he was very legitimate. Uh, so he comes in this year. He looks very bad. If you had him, would you, I mean, how low is his price? <laughs> so w- would you want to try to get from under him at any cost? Like if you had a team at the top and you needed someone that could just, if you needed someone that could actually help you, how low would you trade? Like if, if someone again was offering you that kind of same thing we were talking about, maybe a couple of live bats, would you trade Raphael Devers for like Ian Happ? Uh, I know that's going really low and that's probably way too low, but I guess I just, Jeff, I want to get your opinion on Devers is do you actually expect him to bounce back this season? No, he's one of the ones like, unlike JD, like stuff has changed a lot. Like he's, his strikeout rate is like twice as high right now. Um, he's not walking at all. He has almost no power. Yeah. It's like something he's quit. Like I said, something's just off. So he's one, like you're not dropping but I'm trying to think of how how far you would actually move down. Like kind of the person that comes to mind is would you take, I would almost want, it's like at the Moustakas level, I'm trying to think of another third baseman there, maybe Turner. Like I still may want Turner over him, but that's kind of like the level where I'm, I would kind of look at, but he looks lost. Like if you can get anything from him of some guy that's actually doing what they're supposed to, like, I don't know what his talent's going to be, but this is, would you take uh, Ian Happ and J.D. Davis? J.D. Davis. I would Happ. Just, I, I threw him in there because he can play third base. J.D. Davis is close to it. Like I said, I without I would hate to say with just outfielders throws in, like they're so available on the wire. I've even noticed that right now that I, that's not someone I'm going to be wanting. But mm-hmm. J.D. Davis is just a little bit short, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I would see what I could get. I could maybe try to get a bad reliever out of the deal or some pitching instead of another hitter. What do you think, Brad? Uh, Raphael Devers, we're talking about. Just he's he's, he's been absolutely brutal. Where's oh, the yeah. lowest? Where's the lowest you would set would sell him for right now? Thankfully, my my only shares are in dynasty leagues, so I can just take a long view and kind of ignore what's happening now. Uh, but it's a headache. Uh, this is this is a tough situation because he just looks so bad. And yeah, I, I think with Jeff, like a Justin Turner type level is where I'm looking if I'm trying to replace at third base. Um, it's it's going to be a hard sell because when people are buying low, they're usually buying on you know, certain peripherals that you know say this guy's the same. Like with JD Martinez, for example, there's there's a lot saying that he's roughly the same. Uh, Nolan Arenado, there's a lot of positive things you can see in the underlying data. Uh, it's not there at Devers, so it's going to be hard to find the people who are excited to buy him. Here's an interesting one. Let's say you absolutely have no interest in endeavors. No one in your league wants him except you get one offer, take it or leave it, one for one, Kyle Seager. He's batting 288 oh. with three home runs and two stolen bases. This is it. You're at the top of your league. He's a huge hole. If you can get some actionable information, if you get an actionable bat, it'll be a huge boost. 
Would you entertain taking Kyle Seeger one for one of redraft only Rafael Devers? I won't commit to doing it right now, but I would entertain it for sure. How about you? I, I've looked. I've looked at Seeger, and I'm reasonably confident he's a playable hitter. Uh, nothing special, but usable. And ironically, batting 288, expected batting average of 310. <laughs> he's actually got something left in the tank, according to Statcast. <laughs> uh, any? Would you entertain that at all, Jeff? Or is that just a feels like too much of a punch in the face to pull the trigger on? <laughs> um, I think it possibly pull the trigger if you kind of need the spot or for like the week and the one league where i've got devers i've been sitting him and kind of streaming the um the spot it's a 12 teamer so i can find some like estrible cabreras on the waiver wire and kind of go that route but i think right now like i said just if it's a shallow enough league you can stream and but it's it's close like i said yeah i mean seeker's a stream streaming option so that's kind of where you're at i don't know if you want to trade it kind of depends on how your roster is set up or if it's just better just to yeah, go to the wire or just this one time let someone else deal with the headache for this year all right and the last guy we'll talk about on this show is uh pete alonzo he has uh he had some strikeout issues going back to last year um that kind of came into this year was much worse than the July was in August. He's actually started to make a lot of hard contact. He's had a lot of hits in his few at bats. Is he someone you guys would be looking to uh, try to acquire? If uh, if you had someone, I, I'm trying to think of like a, I, I'm, I'm failing to come up with a, a very good example. If you had some of those hot hitters we talked about before, like Santander, Tosker, if you could try to put one of them together with like Eric Hosmer um, and, and land Pete Alonzo, would you try to do it or, um, or would you? Do you think that those other it, the sum of the parts is is better than what Alonzo is going to give you going forward? I have no idea how Alonzo was going where he was at. I mean, he's just everything pointed to such heavy regression. And I know people love seeing the fifty home runs, but I think people have just had so much invested in him that it's going to be tough to try to go get him. I mean, if he was where he, where I thought he should have been around the eighth or ninth round, um, Matt Olson area, I think that that's where. He, like I said, I think Matt Olson and him were the same, and um, that's what you were getting. So I'm not surprised that he's struggling one bit. I mean, he had the strikeouts. Um, do I want him? Possibly. I could see how bad the owner is, but I think they just have so much invested in him that they're they're going to want something more. Like they're going to want a fifth, sixth round pick type player, and you're not going to be able to give them that. I mean, would you do Devers? Which one would you want more, Devers or Alonzo? I think I'd want Alonzo, but that yes. might be one where oh, you could definitely. trade off. You could trade off, but I mean, you might have try to get a struggling player that's towards six rounds that someone else got um, for him. But like I said, I just think they have so much sunk cost in him that they're going to want something out of him. I'm not sure there's any player I'm more down on than Rafael Devers, for the record. <laughs> I mean, maybe Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who in Dynasty, I'd I'd be all over trying to acquire. The, whatever 60% ground ball rate's not going to be around forever. He's literally one tweak away in launch angle for becoming a monster. But um, I want in redraft Devers and Vlad. I would trade him for a sack of beans, right? Now. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the top hitters right now. Um, we talked about Brandon Lau. That's a guy I tried to sell for Alonzo right now. I think you're going to get more home runs out of Alonzo going forward. Uh, Ian Happ's another hot starter that I'd probably try to sell for him. I, I want Alonzo. It's just a matter of yeah, finding that uh, fair trade, uh, that kind of buy low attempt that also... It was interesting enough to the guy's owner. All right. Uh, well, that pretty much does it. Hopefully you get some uh, interesting info information. Everyone listen to the show. 
it now is the time to do some crazy stuff. There's not many games left. I think the most I think the most interesting question of the whole show is probably Devers for Kyle Seeger because I think <laughs> in the 60 games, it's legitimately something. It, it might be the it's like the right decision. Just like you know, you got to look past the names at this point. You just got to look at the amount of at bats there was, how they've been doing, and you just got to you got to take the names out of it. Um, so, Brad, thank you for joining us on the show. Yeah, thank uh, you plug, for having me. Plug everything you do. You got a you got a Patreon going on. You do uh, DFS almost every day. I wrote a fanatic. Tell tell everyone how they can find you, where they can find you, what they can do with you. Yeah, I'm all over the place. Uh, Roto fanatic, uh, the plan of attack. I'm doing that four days a week. Uh, got more DFS content over on Roto World, uh, saves and steals over on Roto World, and then have my own uh, Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash baseball team where I give out streaming picks daily. All right. And uh, Jeff, uh, everyone knows who you are, but give them a quick reminder of how awesome you are and where they can find you. Um, yeah. So mainly right now, I'm just writing at um, Roto Graphs, at Fangraphs, um, putting out various articles like today. I'll look at seeing who was dropped in some of the main event leagues and trying to see if people are if there's any buying opportunity there and also kind of like should you have dropped someone else did someone else notice something that you didn't um here at Rota fanatic i put out the two week uh, looking up ahead a few weeks it's actually kind of ugly just just a straight up answer <laughs> on it well it was all number one and number five so just the way the kind of the rotations are yeah. so all of them are owned or they're junk so it's kind of like well it's just not one of those weeks. Like you kind of want that week where it's the number threes and number fours where you have some talent and so forth, but that's not this week. Um, oh, or aren't like half the pitchers number fives now? Oh, yeah, because of the injuries. You can <laughs> Sometimes you can scrape together the Zach Eflin uh, gold, gold bar, but yeah, other than that, it's really tough. Yeah, and I'm kind of, I was kind of wanting to see like what's going to happen with the Cardinals. It's interesting, like the Cardinals and the Cubs have all these games and both of them have these bullpens that are up in the air. So it's going to be weird where it's, you're going to have some guy that's not the closer end up getting two saves out of this, you know, five game stretch coming up here. So, but it's still one I would kind of want to watch to see. I think that there, some people took some chances this weekend and I think some people are going to hit gold and some other ones are just going to be like, well, <laughs> move on. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the theme of the 2020 MLB season. Ha, move on. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, Rafael Devers. Jeez. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening to the Turn 2 Podcast. Make sure to follow the show at Turn 2 Podcast on Twitter. You can follow me at Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Also, be sure to follow Roto Fanatic at Roto underscore Fanatic. We love to hear uh, all of your feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. We'll be back uh, on Thursday with the next episode. So enjoy your week. Good luck setting your lineups. Hopefully, we, get, uh, we, we have no more bad news this week. See everybody. My, oh, my. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play fantasy. I know I turn two in a day, but the lace isn't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The X flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, you can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third. Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two What it do? Win leaks Catch out Catch out